In Hebrews chapter 13, uh, we'll go over the outline here in a moment, but let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll dig into God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. And we thank you, Lord, for just the book of Hebrews. What a blessing it's been to all of us to look that Jesus is better, that you are better, Lord. You're better than you're better than the prophets, you're better than the saints, you're better than the angels, you're better than the high priest, you're better than religion, you're better than anything this world has to offer. And then, Lord, we love how you gave us examples in the hall of faith. And Lord, may we live and follow those examples of those who've gone before us and been faithful. And this morning now, as we look at living by faith, living out all that we've learned in 12 chapters, how do we live it now every day? In light of who, the fact that Jesus is better, show us, Lord. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us this morning. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. All right. Well, as we've talked about in Hebrew, we're going to finish it this morning, Lord willing. Uh, I think that's We've got like four, four, just a few books left. Uh, Revelation's coming right about on time, amen? Here in, a few, here in a few books, we'll be into that. By the way, Prophecy Seminar yesterday, fantastic, amen? And if you didn't get a chance to attend it, I believe you can watch it online somewhere. We'll figure that out for you. All right, so we saw that Jesus is better for 10 chapters. Then we saw the Hall of Faith in chapter 11, the examples of people that God mightily used. And, and praise God, he uses flawed people like us, Amen? They weren't perfect people. They were sinners saved by grace, and God used them mightily. And then we saw kind of the doctrines of faith, faith and an exhortation to walk in faith. And now today, we're going to continue where we started last week with the application of how to live by faith. If you were not here last week, uh, you can go online on our website. You can go uh, on our Facebook page, a lot of different places. The messages are there. They're always free. Uh, I told the message last week, enjoy, enjoying spiritual fellowship, living by faith, enjoying spiritual fellowship. And we talked about brotherly love. We talked about extending hospitality. See, these are things in light of who Jesus is, in light of what Jesus has done. And as we often talk about, the letters that are written, I believe, by the Apostle Paul here as well, is what do we believe? Now, how do we behave? And this one's heavy with doctrine for 10 chapters, Heavy with doctrine. Some more in chapter 12. So outside of the book of Romans, I don't think there's a book in the Bible that has more doctrine, which is biblical truth. And so, so now that we know that, now how do we respond? In light of what's going on in the world around us, now how should we live? By the way, with the world in the, the place it's in today, you know what the world needs? Jesus. Yeah, don't be shy. You can say it. Jesus. If you say Jesus, you're almost always going to be right. So you can say Jesus. <laughs> But the world needs Jesus. And the most selfish thing we can do is keep him to ourselves. So last week we saw brotherly love, extending hospitality, being ever mindful of those who are suffering for the cause of Christ, people all over the world suffering. We talk about enjoying intimacy and purity in marriage and remaining pure in anticipation of marriage if you're not married yet. Not getting caught up in the pursuit of worldly possessions, uh, but being content with their provision and God's presence. So now as we pick up, grab the outline that you were given when you got here. And I tell the message, it's still living by faith. We're going to finish that up. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we've got three points to look at. Oh, some subpoints there. First of all, submitting to those in spiritual leadership. Now we're going to see that those who lead also have heavy accountability. We've talked about this a lot. When you go through the pastoral epistles, it says of those in ministry, there are 15 qualifications. 14 speak of character, only one speaks of gifting. We focus a lot on gifting when we really should be focusing more on character. And the reality is that those who lead are going to have a heavy accountability. It says, let not many of you be teachers, because you will be held to a higher level of accountability before the creator of the universe. That being said, those who feed us spiritually, those who are serving us and leading us, if they're living lives of holy conduct and teaching the whole counsel of God, we should submit to them and encourage them. We're going to see following the example of those who teach the word and live the word, then we're gonna, I'm going to spend some time on verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Nothing's changed about Jesus since before the world was created. He always has been. He always will be. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And we're going to talk a lot about Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see two doctrines in that portion of Scripture, verses 7 through 9. We see that Jesus, 
that, that Jesus never, never changes. It should say fact there, the fact that Jesus never changes. And the faithfulness of God, because God never changes, you can always depend on him. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, amen? And then we're going to see sharing in spiritual worship through a direct access to the Father. See, remember the context. They're trying to get the first century Jewish Christians to go back to the old covenant. They're trying to drag them back to the temple. And they're being reminded always that Jesus is better than anything in the temple. The temple was God's plan for a couple thousand years. But once Jesus came, he fulfilled it. We don't need the temple anymore. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so the exhortation here is that as they're being drawn back to be reminded that Jesus is better. And what Jesus has for us is so much more. And you know what? Remember that the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And only the high priest. You and I can enter into God's presence anywhere and anytime because through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the veil's been torn. We have access to the Holy of Holies. Amen? So do you want to go back to where the high priest goes in once a year? This is kind of the exhortation here. Or do you want to have intimate fellowship with God? Bearing his reproach. There's going to be persecution come when you stand for the Lord. We're facing it in small ways. And compared to the rest of the world, we, are, we do face it. Christianity is not real popular right about now. It's mocked more than it's praised. But guess what? They can't keep us quiet. Amen? They cannot silence believers. And we, we, we shall not be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? And pray for divine appointments every day and watch what God will do. We need to have a heavenly focus. How do we worship spiritually? Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Guys, when we have a heavenly focus, when we're reminded where we're headed, it brings peace to all circumstances. By offering sacrifices that please God, uh, the sacrifices of praise and worship. You know, God doesn't need our stuff. He doesn't need our money. We give because he first gave to us, and we take what is given, and we use it for the furtherance of the gospel. But God really doesn't need our money, but he wants our hearts. And, you know, where your treasures, there your heart will be also. Again, by submitting to those who lead, it's follow-up on the first point, and then by interceding in prayer on behalf of others. Then we'll see a final exhortation between the author, who I believe is the Apostle Paul, and the Jewish believers in the first century church. So let's begin there. Looking, living by faith, first submitting to those in spiritual leadership, picking up there at verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. The word remember there means to so as to imitate. So it literally means imitate those who rule over you. But notice when it says rule over you, not somebody who's just in a position of authority in your life, but notice what it says. Who have spoken the word of God to you, and whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. So those who lead that we would follow need to be people that preach the word with boldness and without compromise and live the word every day. Amen? Doesn't mean they're sinless. Doesn't mean they're without error. Doesn't mean that they don't make mistakes. But it means that you, you can recognize, you see their heart. You know that in talking to them for 10 minutes, they love Jesus. They're serving the Lord. They're not just preaching the truth, but they're living it out loud. Amen? And by the way, that should be every one of us. Amen? We should live what we believe. We shouldn't be any different at home than we are at church. So in the midst of this great adversity and temptation to go back to the temple, he encouraged them to remember both the words and examples of those who had taught them the word and lived it out before them. Follow the example of those who teach the word and live the word. If their, contact, if their conduct is flawed, their words aren't worth much. Amen? When you look at someone's character, if they lack character, I really don't care what they have to say. If they're not faithful to their wife, I really don't care what you have to say. If you're not a servant by, if you don't have a servant's heart, I really don't care what you have to say. If you speak in your opinion instead of the word of God, I really don't have time to listen. If you won't bother studying, I'm not going to bother listening. Can I get an amen to that? And so there's, we need to recognize, you know, when you look for a place where you fellowship, make sure that, that everybody that's there that's teaching anything is teaching the word of God and nothing else. Amen? Opinions of men are irrelevant. Teach the whole counsel of God. It's a blessing to have faithful, godly leaders 
who can serve as an example. And the reference here may have been also back to Hebrews 11. You know, these examples of people who had lived godly lives, and we know they were flawed. King David's in there. Adulterer and murderer, but David repented. You know, it says of Saul, it'd been, you know, that God regretted making him king, but David's a man of God's own heart. And you could almost argue that David's sin is as bad or worse than Saul's. But the difference is David repented and Saul didn't. And guys, that's the key to us walking with the Lord. It's being quick to repent. You've heard me say it many times and one more won't hurt you. I believe spiritual maturity is revealed in the amount of time between when you sin and when you repent getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Amen. It used to be weeks or days. Now it's, then it was hours, then it's minutes. And now for me, it's nanoseconds. Amen. Words just coming out of your mouth. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Amen. And you know what? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he brings conviction. Notice it says they're considering the outcome of their conduct, be it fruitfulness or faithfulness unto the end. The possible reference here is to those who are being martyred. But be be it the current teachers or the previous teachers, notice the marks of truly God-ordained spiritual leadership is faithfulness to the word of God and living a life of godly conduct. Here's the sad thing, and it's happened again just recently in the last couple months. You'll see pastors who are very gifted. They're very charismatic. They hold a crowd. Problem is that churches can be churches of personality if we're not careful. Amen? And then these men fall hard, and they're caught red-handed, and then everybody panics because they think, well, if we remove him, the church is going to fall apart. Well, if the pastor is removed and the church falls apart, it was built on the wrong person the whole time. Amen? Amen? And it's so important that we give ministry away, and we have people, I get hit by a bus, Joshua will be here next Sunday, and nothing's going to change. The Word of God will be taught. Amen? Hope you'll be hugging on my wife. I'll be in heaven. Don't worry about me. Can I get an amen? But the reality here is that this conduct, it's, we, we, can be, we can get so caught up in personality and so caught up in being entertained that we lose sight of the fact that a man who stands behind the pulpit or a woman who teaches in the women's ministry or anybody's in a position of authority, that you, we need to keep an eye on their conduct. And their conduct, they don't have godly conduct. They got no business uh, teaching anybody anything. Amen. It's not this eloquent speech or charismatic personality or the size of the person's church, but his faithfulness to the word of God and his godly conduct. These men submit to and follow their example. Verse 8, if you have a pen and you underline verses, and this verse isn't underlined, grab your pen. (laughs) Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen, amen, and amen. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead and burning in hell. Amen. All the false prophets, all the false gods, dead. Jesus, living, triumphed over sin and death. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's why we don't change the message. The message doesn't change with the culture. The culture needs to be changed by the message. We need to continue to teach the same thing that Paul taught 2,000 years ago. It's the same Jesus, it's the same cross, it's the same resurrection. He is our Savior, our Lord, our God, and our King. Jesus is always worthy of worship and our complete devotion. Do you know in Scripture there are 700 different names or references for Jesus? I wish I could describe him to you. Amen? That's my King, if you've seen that video. And there's just so many names, and we're going to go over a few of them in a minute. I'm not going to go over 700, but it would be worth it if we did. Amen? While others may serve as faithful examples worth following, men whom God has called to rule over us, Jesus Christ alone is the center of our faith, the one and only object of our faith, our repentance, and our worship. Men may point us to Christ. They may teach us the word. They may live lives of godly conduct. Teach us about salvation and faith and grace and mercy and forgiveness and redemption. But all that's found in one word, Jesus. See, there's no grace without Jesus. There's no forgiveness without Jesus. There's no salvation. There's no mercy. There's no hope. There's no peace without Jesus. So Jesus alone is the one who we focus on. He's the king. He's the savior. 
He's the shepherd of this church, amen? And that's who we follow. He never changes. The world changes all the time. They're changing their mind every single day about the vaccines and, and the masks and COVID. and They just change their mind all the time. You know why? Because Jesus is the truth and nobody else is. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, we're so focused. Everybody's voting. There's no voting in the Bible. You know why we don't need to vote? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? We just keep looking to Jesus. We keep looking to his word. We don't put our faith in men. We put our faith in almighty God. Man seems to be always pursuing some new thing. By the way, if it's new, it's not true. Amen? Oh, there's, I got a new revelation. I don't need any new revelations. I got 66 books full of revelations right here. Can I get an amen to that? The Mormon church was built on a new revelation. Jehovah's Witness is built on a new revelation. Church of Scientology, new revelation. L. Ron Hubbard said he was God if you read the end of his book. Well, he died. So guess what? He's not God. Can I get an amen? The reality is all these other things are changing and there's always some new thing. And, oh, you need to have the Kansas City prophets come to your church, pastor. Uh, no, we don't. Amen? I get phone calls. Oh, man, they've got this special word. No, no, I got 66 books full of special word. Amen? I don't need any new, I don't need any dog and pony shows. I don't need anybody slaying people in the spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. If you go to church and it's confusing, the Holy Spirit's not there. Can I get an amen to that? So guys, let's, let's point to Jesus. Let's teach his word without compromise and let's magnify his name, the name that is above all names. If you've got Jesus, look no further. He's the word. His word never changes. The cults have new revelations. They add to scripture. His word is perfect. You can't improve on perfection, amen? Now, I'm not gonna give you 700 names. I'm gonna give you a few. You want some names for for Jesus, you ready? Some descriptions of Jesus. Words in the, these words come from the English Bible. He's the Almighty. By the way, he's not kind of mighty. He's Almighty. Can I get an amen to that? He's Almighty. He's the Alpha and the Omega, which means he's the beginning and the end. He always was. He always will be, and he's everything in between. Can I get an amen to that? He's the beginning and the end. He is the Amen, and I love that. Amen. He is the amen. He is the apostle. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the author of salvation. He's the, don't try to write these down. You'll never keep up. He's the blessed and only ruler. He's the bread of life. He's the bright and morning star. He's the chief shepherd. He's the Christ of God. He's the mighty counselor. He's the creator. He's the deliverer. He's the door to salvation. He's the everlasting father. He's the faithful witness. He's first and last. He's the firstborn over creation. He's God. He's the good shepherd. He's the governor. Well, we could use him in California, amen? He's the great high priest. He's the head of God's creation. He's the head of the assembly. He's the heir to all things. He's the holy servant. He's the holy and righteous one. He's the holy one of God. He's the horn of salvation. He is the great I am. He is the image of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jesus. He is the king, eternal, immortal, and invisible. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of the kings. He's the king of nations. He's the lawgiver. He's the lamb. He's the lamb of God. He is life. He is the light of the world. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. He's Lord of glory. He's the Lord of lords. He's the man of great suffering. He's the mediator between man and God. He's the messenger of the covenant. He is the Messiah, the anointed one. He is mighty God. He is the Nazarene. He is our Passover lamb. He's the prince of peace. He is the prophet. He's the redeemer. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the righteous one. He's the rock upon whom we stand. He's the savior. He's the shepherd and overseer. He's the son of David. He's the son of the most high. He's the son of man. He is the truth. He is true light. He is the true vine. He is the only way to heaven. He is the witness. He is wonderful. He is the word. He is the word of God. He is Yahweh and he is Yahweh our righteousness. That's our savior. Amen. Amen. And he's never going to change. And aren't you glad? You think that was a long list? I got one more. Because <laughs> you know what? Verse 8. So 
you hear me say this all the time. Jesus is in every chapter of the Bible. I'm going to give you a reference toward Jesus from all 66 books of the Bible. I'm going to go through them right now. And these are things in those books that point to or describe who Jesus is that come from each of those individual books. You ready? By the way, you'll be able to watch this later and write it down. And I talk fast anyway, so unless you've got, you know, what do you call those stenographers? <laughs> if you're not your stenographer, you ain't keeping up. It ain't happening. Okay, let's describe Jesus. In Genesis, he's the creator. In Exodus, he's the deliverer. In Leviticus, he's the eternal sacrifice. In Numbers, he's the trusted guide. In Deuteronomy, he's the redeeming prophet. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's the steadfast judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he's the interceding king. In 2 Samuel, he's the anointed king. In 1 Kings, he's the wise king. In 2 Kings, he's the reigning king. In 1 Chronicles, he's the sovereign king. In 2 Chronicles, he's the glory of the Lord. In Ezra, he's the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder. In Esther, he's the hidden teacher. In Job, he's the day spring and faithful one. In Psalms, he's our shepherd and song. In Proverbs, he's wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's our only hope. In the Song of Solomon, he's the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch and friend. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the watchman and wheel in the sky. In Daniel, he's our rescuer. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband. In Joel, he's God's outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's the one who bears our burdens. In Obadiah, he's the highest authority. In Jonah, he's God's mercy. In Micah, he's the messenger of the gospel. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's our firm foundation. In Zephaniah, he's the prince of peace and glory of Israel. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's our merciful father. In Malachi, he's our glorious promise. In Matthew, he's the king of the Jews. In Mark, he's the son of God and, and wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the word made flesh. In Acts, he's the power on high. In Romans, he's our salvation and justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he's the gift of the spirit. In 2 Corinthians, he's our victory. In Galatians, he's our liberator. In Ephesians, he's our chief cornerstone. In Philippians, he's our provider and our supplier. In Colossians, he is the fullness of God. In 1 Thessalonians, he's the soon come king. In 2 Thessalonians, he's the Messiah. In 1 Timothy, he's the mediator. In 2 Timothy, he's the faithful witness. In Titus, he's our faithful pastor and blessed hope. In Philemon, he is a friend that is closer than our brother. In Hebrews, he is our great high priest. Jesus is better. In James, he is our great physician. In 1 Peter, he is our chief shepherd. In 2 Peter, he's our savior. In 1 John, he is righteousness. In 2 John, he is everlasting love. In 3 John, he is the truth. And in Jude, he is majesty and power. And in Revelation, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's our savior, amen? That's good stuff. That's why we don't worship men. That's why we worship the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. None of you and none of us is none of any of this. Can I get an amen? <laughs> He's the great I am. I'm the great I ain't. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning of the end, and I'm just a mess. Can I get an amen? Without Jesus, apart from Jesus, we're nothing. So how can we be ashamed of his name? We just read that. We must not be ashamed of the gospel, amen? We should be shouting it from the mountaintops. We have nothing to fear because our God is great, amen? I love it. He indeed is the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. There's no need for any other. He's the way, the only way. He will, there will never be another. And we saw those names of Jesus and everything he's ever said is perfect. Everything he's ever done is perfect. You can't improve on Jesus, amen? He doesn't need your help, by the way. He chooses to use you in spite of you, in spite of me. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God's not glad we're on his, well, he might be glad we're on his team, but he doesn't need us, we need him. Never lose sight of that. Verse 9. Verse 8 will preach. Can I get an amen to that? 
That's some good stuff right there. Bible rocks, amen? Verse 9, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who've been occupied with them. They're trying to get the first century Christians to go back to Judaism. And one of the things they're trying to bring them back to is all the dietary laws that's being referenced to here. And there are strange doctrines that people preach. And here's what they do. Jesus plus whatever. Well, it's Jesus plus your first Holy Communion. It's Jesus plus your confirmation. It's Jesus plus your, all the way to your last rites. It's Jesus plus you got to keep all these rules. And the Jews were even saying the first century church, well, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to convert to Judaism first and follow all the feasts and all the rites and rituals, and then you can become a Christian. Again, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. When you add to the cross of Calvary, all you have is a cult. Amen? Well, yeah, you, okay, you gave your life to Jesus, but you, were you baptized in our baptismal after going through our baptism class? Not sure you're saved. Told you about that guy at the Church of Christ. They believe you have to be baptized in their baptismal or you're not saved. If you have a background in the Church of Christ, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. Can I get an amen to that? They don't believe in worship. It's a mess. Well, don't all musical instruments are from the devil. What Bible verse is that? It's not in here. Uh, you know what I mean? But here's what happens. When you add to the cross of Christ... And I told you this story, this poor guy, he was camping out in a trailer on the church property, and the church was right next door to Calvary San Jose, where I was a youth pastor. And I used to set out in my car to study, because I don't get distracted. I still do that, by the way. But I was sitting in my car and studying, and I saw this guy there day after day, and I'm like, he's living at the church. So one day, he was out, outside, and I walked over, and I go, hey, bro, what's up? I said, you living here? He goes, well, you know, I... I made, I made a profession, but until I get baptized, I'm not really saved. And, and I got to fi finish the class before I can get baptized. And I'm afraid to leave here because I could get hit and killed in a car accident on the way home and I'd go to hell. <laughs> When's your class done? Six more weeks. Bro, I'll baptize you right now. But let me pray with you right now. Can I get an amen to that? Is that tragic or what? That's works-based salvation. Now, look, works are fruit of salvation and not the source of salvation. Should Christians have good works? What's the answer? Yes. It's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that works. Amen? And so when you are adding to the cross of Calvary, when you're doing the very things that are being described here, well, yeah, but you got to have a diet, the right diet. got to eat fish on Friday. got to eat fish on Friday. Fish on Friday. What's that got to do? Where is that in the Bible? Can I get an amen to that? And people get caught up in religious rituals and rites to the point where, you know, Martin Luther read the Bible and ended up, you know, pounding a list on the door of the areas where the church, the Catholic church, was so far away from the truth of the word of God. But guys, it's not just the Catholic church. All churches can fall into the same trap if we add to the cross of Christ. Amen? If we add to the word of God in any way. And he says in verse 9, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Doctrine is a word means it means truth. By the way, if I hear somebody say my truth one more time, I'm going to be sick. Well, this is my truth. Let me share my truth. There's no my truth and your truth. There's the truth, and his name's Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? I'm tired of my. I'm just living my truth. Well, that truth will take you right to hell. You need Jesus. Amen. Because my truth or your truth is not the truth. We need the Lord. So the, they, were being, they were addressing in this letter the fallacy that faith in Christ alone is not enough. Well, you know, we still have a high priest. You don't. Well, we still have a big building. You guys meet at a Christian school outside. I mean, right? You know, we, we still have the, the priest wearing the black robes. You know, you got a pastor in a purple shirt. What's up with that? <laughs> right? And we, you know, we've got all these rituals and all these rites. Now, God was using them in the past, but Jesus came and he did not, uh, he didn't just uh, do away with the law. He fulfilled it. All those sacrifices were pointing to Jesus. Now that Jesus has come, we don't need that anymore. Amen. It was always pointing to him. And we need to keep our eyes on him. The challenge upon sufficiency of God's grace, there must be more that I need to do. Can't be that simple. Well, it's not simple. Because Jesus went to the cross to make it happen, amen? 
Well, it's just too simple just to believe. Well, no, it's not simple because of what he had to do, so you could just believe. Amen? Suffered and died, endured torment, left heaven, and did all of that out of its love for you. The first century believer's temptation to go back to the old covenant and add to the cross of Calvary. It's still true today, adding rules and rites and religious rituals to the cross of Calvary and the gospel of grace, making a church the way instead of Jesus the way. The church doesn't save you. You're only a part of the church if you're saved. Amen? So we don't put our faith in the church. We are the church. We put our faith in Christ. We don't put our faith in saints. We put our faith in the Savior. We're saints. Don't put your faith in me. Amen? Saints are sanctified, set-apart ones. Uh, the Mormon temple, you have to get baptized uh, in the Mormon temple, wearing that, you know, and then if you're dead, they'll get baptized for you. Come on, bro. What a bunch of nonsense that is. You got to wear your holy underwear everywhere you go to protect you. Guys, I don't need holy underwear. I got the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? This is what happens when we add to the cross of Calvary. You got to be confirmed in our church. You got to confess to our priests. You have to have last rites. You need to knock on a certain amount of doors each week. Guys, it's not something we earn. It's a free gift. Amen? It's a free gift. Doesn't mean it came cheap for him, but it comes free for us. We don't add to the cross of Calvary. Works, again, are to them not the overflowing of salvation, but the source of it. And again, because of what Jesus has done, um, they would add things to it. Notice it says, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Diet can't and won't make you more acceptable to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Amen. By the way, he likes barbecue. It's all over scripture. Sweet smelling aroma. So when I get out of my car in a neighbor's barbecue and I'm like, the Lord likes that too. Can I get an amen to that? It's good stuff. Rise, kill, and eat. It's in your Bible. Amen. We don't kill broccoli. So we can eat. Amen. Often those most easily taken in by these forms of legalism, those who seem to be the most serious about their faith. I want to please God. What else can I do, Lord? What else can I do? Oh, you don't want me to travel more than 100 feet on the Sabbath, and I shouldn't cook on the Sabbath, and I should And they start adding all these rites and rituals to somehow it makes you more holy. But guys, you have nothing to do with the fact that you're holy. Jesus made you holy. Amen. Now, we are to walk in holiness. It's the fruit of salvation, but it doesn't, it's not the source of salvation. And again, I, I know those sound very similar, but look, if it's because we walk with Jesus and we're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we live holy lives, and we should, that's different than, I'm going to live a holy life so Jesus will love me. He already loves you. He proved it on the cross, amen? And here's where legalism comes in. I have a conviction. I had a guy one time years ago, you have a TV in your house, you're going to hell. I said, well, it can be the window into hell in the corner of my living room if I watch the wrong channel. Can I get an amen to that? But what happens is if you have a conviction not to have a TV or you have a conviction to homeschool your kids or you have a conviction to be a vegan or whatever, that's fine. But when you make it a prerequisite for everyone else's salvation, that's called legalism. Amen? When you add to the cross of Calvary, you're preaching a false gospel. I've got... Pastor, well, I got a pastor friend that's really into fitness. Nothing wrong with that. When I was a young guy, yeah, a long time ago, when I was a young guy, I was actually a trainer for a while, and I believe in physical, I believe, you know, I get it. But we can worship physical fitness if we're not careful. Amen? I, to send, I, I was working out four hours a day, six days a week, and I schedule my classes around my workouts. Well, I can't take that class. That's chest day. I can't do that. And, you know, so I just, you know, and what happens is you got to be careful. Nothing wrong being physically fit. We should be, phys I think it's good. But it does say the Bible says it profits little. Don't put your faith in that. Put your faith in Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So take good care of this vessel God gave you so you can stick around a little longer and tell people about Jesus. Amen? Real faith is manifest in obedience to God's word. And obedience is a fruit of surrendered and spiritual life, not the source of salvation. Christians varying degrees of maturity and levels of conviction. And again, we need to have the word of God be the standard. These secondary issues of diet and entertainment and style of worship and how you educate your children. I get calls like this all the time. Hey, we've been listening to you on the radio for a long time. So tell me about Sunday morning, what happens there. Uh, we worship and teach the Bible. 
Well, what happens there? Well, we hug and love on each other, and on the first Sunday of the month, we have the God be a feast and communion. What else happens there? That's pretty much it. What kind of programs you got for me? We have men's and women's Bible study. We have a youth group, and we have church. Well, I was looking for someone who, you know, had like a crafting circle. Yeah, that's not us. We don't. Oh, crap. You want to come here and start a crafting circle, and people want to join you. God bless you. But yeah, no, we don't. We don't have that in our bulletin. I got a call the other day saying, I only come to churches where the chairs are in a circle. Yeah, that's not our church. We don't sit in a circle. The circle would have to be kind of big, and it would... I, I don't under, I don't get it. Can I get an amen to that? It's like we're shopping for you know a house. How many rooms does it have? Do you have a sunken jacuzzi top? You know what I mean? Like they're calling the church, wanting us to satisfy what they're looking for. Guys, all you should be looking for is the Lord and the Word of God and godly fellowship and a place where you can serve. Amen. And too often, I mean, you get those questions, and I try to be kind. I go, hey, well, yeah, we don't have chairs in a circle. Well, I just don't believe that looking at somebody's back is profitable for... <laughs> Lord, help. Can I get an amen? I don't get it. Yeah, you know, I, you know, when I listen to you on the radio, you're going to have to slow down your speech for me to come. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> and one lady called, she said... Just tell your pastor, if he says amen one more time, I'm going to throw my radio out the window. I said, well, amen. amen. <laughs> we don't add to the cross. We don't, make, we don't tell God how we want to come to him. Well, Lord, I'll come to you if you do this. It's got to be convenient for me. You know, the NFL game started. You got a service at 8 that ends by like 9.30 so I can get home in time for the Niner game. <laughs> You know, and we want this convenience. We want to serve God on our terms. Guys, we come to the Lord on his terms. And, we, and when we know who he is, that's all she would ever, we should ever want. Lord, I surrender. Amen? We're not shopping for, you know, a new house. It says in verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. There's, we have an altar. The altar is access to God through Jesus, that the old covenant high priest was the only one who had access to. You know, Jesus all may approach anywhere and any time. They're saying, look, we have a place where only certain people can come, where only certain people can get close, where only certain people, and we have to be the ones to approve you, to allow you to get there. And here's what happens. The veil was torn when Jesus died on the cross, and a lot of churches today are putting up boundaries between you and the Lord. They're sewing the veil back up, amen? You go to some church, and they literally have, you know, they, got a, they literally have, some of them see, they have a picket fence in the front of the, they got a little fence, the guy's up here, and he's up on top of something, and he's looking down at you in a rope, and they have all these things that keep you from drawing near to God. Go in a box and shut a thing, and, and he'll tell you how you get right with God. Stop it. Jesus says, I'll come, Amen? Come unto him anywhere and any time. We've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we've been, been given access to Almighty God. And again, not through rites and rituals of the old covenant or religiosity, but through the blood of the Lamb. Again, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And everybody else had to sit outside and go, I wonder what it's like in there. And maybe he'll come out and tell us. And in the new covenant, we all get to enter in anywhere and any time, and have intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe. Guys, it doesn't get any better than that, amen? You can talk to God driving down the freeway. Keep your eyes open, but get, you can talk to God driving down the freeway, amen? We can, we can spend time in his presence anywhere and any time. We can call out to God. The veil's been torn. Praise God for that. We're into point number two there. We have direct access to the Father through the Son. Jesus said on the cross of Calvary, it is finished, to Talistai, paid in full. He didn't say there's step number one, or that's a good start, or add a few more things to this. He turned to the thief on the cross. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, get down and get baptized first. Should we be baptized? What's the answer? Outward statement of an inward change. Do you need to be baptized to be saved? Why not? Because that would be a work if we're adding to the cross of Calvary, we're saying that Jesus isn't sufficient. Now, again, let me emphasize, if you've not been baptized, you should be, because it's an outward statement of an inward change, amen? You have Christ, 
You have access that even the high priest didn't have. High priest could go in once a year. We can go in anywhere and anytime. What a blessing, Lord. Amen? He's not a faraway distant God. He's our loving Heavenly Father. He says they're continuing to look at sharing spiritual worship through our direct access. He says in verse 11, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. We don't have as much time to go into this as I would love. I love the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament pictures of Jesus. And if you love those, come on Thursday night because we have them every week. Amen. But one of the things is that when they would make the sacrifice, they would shed the blood, but they would take the carcass of the animal outside the city gate and burn it there, you know, consume it there. And this was something that was always done. You know, they would maybe cut it in pieces. There are certain sacrifices that would be consumed, but most of them, they would shed the blood and then, and then they would take the carcass and they would take it outside the city gate. And it was there outside the city gate that it was completely consumed. Jesus was not sacrificed in the holy place or the holy of holies, not even within the temple grounds. Jesus was crucified outside the city upon the cross of Calvary. Every sacrifice where the blood was shed and then the animal taken outside was a picture of the fact that Jesus would be crucified outside the city gates of Jerusalem. The Bible rocks, amen. So everything we see in the Old Testament, we know the altar, you know, every, every piece of furniture in the temple, picture of Jesus. You know, the altar is a picture of the cross, the bronze altar. The bronze laver, it's a picture of the fact that we've been cleansed, right? Jesus has cleansed us. You know, the, the golden lampstand, Jesus is the light of the world. The, the, the table of manna, he's the bread of life. The altar of incense where they had, what's a picture of prayer pouring over into the Holy of Holies. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us. The, the, uh, Ark of the Covenant, again, a box, not a boat, amen. The Ark of the Covenant, three things in the Ark. Jar of manna, he's the bread of life. Aaron's rod, he's the great high priest. And the word of God, because Jesus is the word, amen. And then you look on the altar and there's the mercy seat that covers the law, because if we look at the law without mercy, we're doomed. And Jesus is the mercy that covers it. And then we see the two angels and their wings touching. And they would go in on the Day of Atonement, and sprinkled blood between the two angels. And when, when they went into the tomb after Jesus rose from the dead, what did they see? Two angels, one at the foot and one at the head, and the blood-stained cloths of Jesus in the middle. Guys, the Bible rocks at all points to Jesus. It always has been. It always will be. Can I get an amen to that? It's all Jesus. All points to Jesus. And they wanted to go back to the old covenant. Some might be trying you to go back to your old religion. Go back to the old, well, we had rules and rights. It was a family thing. We all go together. Pray for your family to deliver them from it instead of rejoining them in it. Can I get an amen to that? It says there in verse 12, Jesus also, he might sanctify with his own blood. Jesus, again, was crucified outside the city gates. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but... But of Jesus. Jesus provided salvation for man completely and independently of Judaism. It's not a hybrid of it. The death, burial, and resurrection all outside the camp. No salvation to be found in the old covenant of Judaism or its rituals. Because again, everything that was done in the old covenant was always pointing to Jesus. So if you deny the one that it's pointing to, you've rejected Jesus. The Pharisees kept all the old covenant all the old covenant rituals and rites and rules, they kept them all. I mean, they tithe their mint and cumin. They kept every rule out there. But what else did they do? They rejected Jesus. They denied him. From save now we pray you to crucify him because they wanted a conquering king, not a suffering savior. Guys, what have you done with God's son is all that matters. All sacrifice is pointing to the one who would come and there's no substitute for Jesus. Again, the law reveals our desperate need for redemption, but it cannot save us. Look at verse 13. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Outside the camp, let's go forward to him. When this is spoken, keep in mind, they were trying to be drawn back into the temple that was still there. Not many years after this book is written, it's leveled. It gets leveled, it's gone, it's destroyed. And praise God for that. Because people are putting their faith in the temple that points to Jesus instead of putting their faith in the Savior. We don't put our faith in a building. We put our faith in the Lord. Amen. The temple was used mightily by God. It was God's plan and praise God for it. But once Jesus came, it became obsolete. Amen. 
So they're being drawn back to go back into to Judaism. And he's saying, go forth to him. Leave, leave religion behind and go forth to Jesus. Leave the rituals behind and follow Jesus. Guys, we're not of Calvary Chapel. We're not of whatever denomination you want to be. We're of Jesus Christ. We are Christians, amen? And we're followers of him. He says, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Put your faith in him and him alone. And again, apart from the temple outside the camp, apart from the rules and rites and rituals, apart from any other sacrifice, apart from any other intermediary. Let me say that one more time. Apart from any other intermediary, we don't need priests. We have the great high priest. Amen? And I love the Catholics, and I believe within the Catholic Church there are people who are saved, and the Episcopals, and the, you know, you can go down the list. But you know what the problem with them? They have a pope they call Holy Father. I'm sorry, that is blasphemy. There's one Holy Father, and he ain't wearing a white pointy hat. Can I get an amen to that? There's one Holy Father. We call no, but no, it's the Lord, not you. Can I get an amen to that? We don't kiss men's ring, but we'll kiss the feet of Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And it's the sad part. Now, look, if you've got a Catholic background, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. And I do believe within the Catholic Church there are people who are saved because they just don't know any better. But I want to say this. If you stay there long enough, you're going to recognize something's wrong, just like Martin Luther did. Can I get an amen? Word of God. And I'm not just We can go down the list. You know, there's, there's Presbyterian churches that have homosexual pastors now. You know, I mean, it, you know, we got, it's just ridiculous. Let's just, can we just make the Bible the authority? My dad was a Baptist pastor, and they, the deacons, well, the Baptist rules of doctrine, blah, blah, blah. my dad would go, show me it in here. I didn't know where I got it. He said, show me this, show me it in here. Is it in here? I don't want to hear it then. They get all upset. The deacon board, he ran the church, also not biblical. Can I get him into that? So outside the camp, apart from any other intermediary, come directly to him. And through him alone. He's the only bridge between us and the Father. Amen? One way God said to get to heaven, and Jesus is the only way. Amen? So good. Number, point B there, bearing his reproach. It says there at the end of verse 13, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. What does that mean? As we identify with Jesus... As you put your faith and your hope in him, as you die to yourself and are filled with the Holy Spirit, don't be surprised or discouraged when the world treats you like they treated him. Amen? I get, you know, being a pastor, you get a lot of stuff. I get calls from people, and they'll tell you, I'll pick up the phone, are you one of the pastors? I go, hypocrite. I go, sometimes. That always throws them way off. Can I get amen to that? Yeah, sometimes. That's why Jesus died for me. Amen? But they want to challenge you on all this different stuff, that, and they start blasting you. Oh, you're, you're an idiot. You really believe in Adam and Eve? Yeah, I do. You know, you believe that a, a man got swallowed by a fish and got thrown up on a beach? Yeah. So you believe in evolution then? Yeah. So you know what's harder than believing a man was swallowed by a fish? That that fish became a man. How about that? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> we all... <laughs> We all have faith in something, and we put our faith in 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions because God wrote it, and it's through the Word of God that we get to know the God of the Word, amen? And guess what? When you stand for the Lord, you're going to catch some heat. And you know what? If you're not catching any heat, you're not standing up enough, amen? Don't be a jerk, please. Be kind, be loving, be gracious. You know, I'm just being persecuted for my faith. No, dude, you're being a jerk. Stop it. Amen? I had a coworker, he'd go around to each cubicle, you're going to fry in hell. I'm like, yeah, that's effective, isn't it? How's that working out, bro? You know what I mean? And he would just be dogmatic and ripping everybody, and he goes, I'm being persecuted. I go, no, you're a jerk. Be kind, be loving, be gracious, quit being a jerk. Amen? But we're going to, don't be discouraged. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake, for so they did the prophets who went before you. Amen? So if they persecute you for making a stand for the Lord, then praise God for it. 
Get to join in the fellowship of his sufferings. Don't be afraid to be identified with Jesus. Well, yeah, I don't want, you know, if people know I'm a Christian, they'll come after me. You ought to wear that as a badge of honor. Can I get an amen to that? Yes, I believe in Jesus. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Quit denying your Savior. And we can deny him by being silent. Can I get an amen to that? And you know when the Holy Spirit is, say it, say it, say it. Am I the only one that gets that, amen? Where you know, you're in an environment and they're talking about something. And I'm here for a reason. Holy Spirit just entered the conversation. Say it. And sometimes we don't, amen? Sometimes we, oh, well, they might not like me. Blessed are you when they were all and persecute you, Amen. Walk away from religion and rituals. Leave behind the temporal city and, and sacrifices. And then by having a heavenly focus, look at verse 14. It says, for, we, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. See, they're trying to draw them back into, into, into Jerusalem, draw them back into the temple, draw them back. And they would mock him and say, you guys don't even have a place to meet. Some of them had lost their homes because their families disowned them. And so they were being, you know, attacked and saying, well, giving your life to Jesus, how's that working out? You don't have a family anymore. You don't have a temple anymore. You don't have a place that when the shofar blows, you have nowhere to go. And then I love this verse. What does this verse say? Well, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. What's he talking about? Jesus and heaven. Amen? This is not our home. Amen? By the, by the way, we're all just renting. Can I get an amen to that? Amen? We're just renting. We don't own anything. We're leaving it all here. Amen? If you have to see a hearse pulling a U-Haul, amen? You know, one of every one person dies, you come in here with nothing, you leave with nothing. But I hope you leave here with Jesus. Amen? Because if you do, when you close your eyes on earth, you're going to open them up in glory. And all the stuff here that was so important won't mean anything. Won't mean anything. To stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. These early Christians were being rejected in Jerusalem. It was hard for those of us who are Gentiles today to even begin to understand what it meant to them. They'd lost their heritage. They had no peace in their temple, their former temple, their city or their worship. City, family, and temple meant so much to them. And God's word to them, I have something far greater is what the Lord would tell them. Our Father loves us, and what, we, what he has for us is better than anything we leave behind. Too often people want to have a hard time giving their life to Jesus because they, they're afraid they're going to have to give up too much. Well, I have to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. Yeah, you have to man up and start treating a woman the way she should be treated and being a spiritual leader in a relationship. Yeah, that's exactly right. You're going to have to do that. Amen. Well, I, I, so you just want to be a dog and mistreat her and treat her like she's of no value and continue on that? Yeah, God's not going to let you do that, bro. He's going to convict you if you do. Amen? Well, I don't want to give up. You know, I, I like to party on the weekends, man. I don't understand party. Where did that term come from, party? It's not party. It's a, it's a drunken throw-up fest. Can I get an amen? It's a puke fest. Let's all sit around red cups and drink till we pass out on each other. And, you know, and, and, and you know... I'm going to go out and drink a bunch of alcohol, make a bunch of great decisions that no one ever, amen? So it's not a party. It's, it's ridiculous, amen? I'm, giving, I'm going to have to give up, you know, wrapping my car around trees and puking in gutters for Jesus, man. That's a lot. Guys, we don't give up anything. We gain everything. We gain everything. Can you imagine living right now without the Lord? Can't even imagine. No continuing city, Jerusalem would soon be in ruins. The temple would be completely destroyed, but the city they were to seek and the home that you and I look forward to, it's not temporal, it's eternal. Heaven is our home. The Bible says he's preparing a place for us. Some believe that's just our bodies. Other people believe it's mansions. Uh, so yeah, he's building me a house on the corner of Hallelujah Avenue and Glory Road. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and looking forward to that, amen? No mortgage either. It's already paid in full. Can I get an amen to that? And we get to see Jesus. And we're going to be hugging on each other. I told you guys a memorial I went to recently. We got to see a lot of people we hadn't seen in years. And we, it, we, we spent 45 minutes just people hugging each other. And I thought, this is what heaven's going to be like. After we, we focus on the Lord always, but we're going to turn around and see people. God, hey, bro, how are you? you know, what a blessing. Can I get an amen to that? I'm longing for that day. 
Our Savior is there. He's preparing a place for us, one that no man can destroy. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Can I get an amen to that? Everybody, everybody above 50 you not understood that. Everybody else is like, what are you talking about? You guys ever heard that song? I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Can I get an amen to that? So good. That's where our home is. That's where our treasure is. Can I get an amen to that? Praise God for it. Lord, give us an eternal focus. Heaven's so much more glorious than anything in Jerusalem or anything in Thousand Oaks. Amen? Verse 15 and 16. I'm going to pick this up here. But do, it says there, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share uh, for, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So he's saying, he's talking about the sacrifice of praise by offering sacrifices that are pleasing to the Lord. You know, one of the, best, one of the things that the Lord loves the most is when we just enter into his presence and worship him. Amen? He created us to worship him. And it breaks my heart that people, if you, if you don't worship, I'm concerned about your walk. I'm not saying you're not saved, but I'm concerned about how close you are to the Lord and how much you grasp what he's done for you. Amen? Worship is not warm-up for the message. We come here for worship because, by the way, it's the only thing we're going to do on, in heaven that we do on earth. One of the few things, amen? And so we worship him. Do you know he loves to hear us call him Abba Father? How do we know that? How many parents have we got in the room? Okay. First time your kid said mommy or daddy? <laughs> amen? <laughs> you just melted, didn't you? And do you know that we love them unconditionally? The Lord unconditionally loved us before we knew who he was. But how does it bless his heart when we, recognize, we hear his voice, we begin to recognize him, and then we call him Father? Guys, the Lord loves it when we call him Father. Amen? And it's good that we can. We've been adopted into his family. Ours is a sacrifice of praise. By him and through him, we worship the praise of our lips giving thanks to his name. Again, there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. We need to continually offer it through the Son. It's offered continually. And again, it's a sacrifice of praise. As, as David said in 2 Samuel 24, I will not offer unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. Our response to the incredible grace and awe and wonder of his person and the promise of heaven is to be one unending praise from a heart of true sacrifice. I love to, I, you know, I love my job because I have long commutes and you're going to think I'm crazy. But I have accounts that go from anywhere from Orange County to Santa Barbara to the Inland Empire to Antelope Valley. And sometimes I'll have a call in Orange County and then a call in Antelope Valley in the same day. And I know I'm going to be in my car for two hours. Guess what? I get to worship for two hours. I get to spend time in prayer for two hours. I get to answer phone calls and pray with people over the phone for two hours. See, no, none of that is wasted. It's all an opportunity. Amen. And guess what? I can't help but praise him. And how many of you, you're driving down the road and a, pray, a worship song comes on and you just start weeping? Amen? Be reminded of the depths of his love for us. Praise that pleases God comes through the Son, is offered continually, and is a sacrifice. And it's fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Don't forget to share such sacrifices as God is well pleased. You know, it reflects our heart when we praise the Lord. Of the overflowing of a man's heart, its mouth speaks. But he says there to share. The word share there is fellowship, communion, intimacy, koinonia. Again, these are fruits of a life that God has touched, a heart to praise and worship, and a love of fellowship and openness to share. Hey, if you're staying home, we love you. If you're home with COVID, we're praying for you. We can't wait for you to get back. But there's nothing that replaces fellowship. Amen? Satan wants us to be alone. He wants us to be separated. When you're not here, we miss you. You have gifts that we don't have. We may have gifts that you don't have. We want to be able to minister one to another. Amen? It's like when I have Thanksgiving at my house and one of my kids isn't there. It's just not quite the same. Guys, it's a family reunion every time we get together. And I get it. If you have to be away, I understand. But please... If there's any way at all you can be here, come. Amen? I love the open fellowship and opportunity to share with one another. Verse 17, by substituting 
to the, by submitting to those who lead. Look what it says. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. You know, the people that are truly have the heart of a pastor never cease to be a servant. Pastor means servant. I'm not the head of this church by any stretch. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. Amen. And pastor, so we're here to serve you. People apologize when they call me like they're taking up my time. I say, look, you do understand I'm your servant, right? I'm here to serve you. And you know what? We want to bless those who serve us, those who rule over us, show them, you know, especially if they're doing it faithfully. And, and it says to be a joy to them. The word submissive means to surrender, obeying from a surrendered heart. And again, if somebody loves the Lord, he's not going to lord it over you. He's not going to be a self-righteous jerk telling you how to live your life. Amen. You know what he's going to do, though? If he sees you outside of God's will, he's going to love you enough to put his arm around you. If you're going through difficulty in your marriage or difficulty with your kids, he's going to pray for you and pray with you. Amen. And, and if, if you need to be uh, rebuked, he'll stab you in the front, not in the back. Amen. It, it does not relieve us our individual responsibility, but it does put an additional accountability and responsibility on leadership. The Bible tells us that those who lead will face a stricter judgment. I want you to know that every time I teach, it's been 33 years now, right before I teach, if you ever look over here, right before I'm over there crying out, Lord, please show up, please. My prayer is, I'll, I'll, here's my prayer. Lord, please, if you don't show up today, this is going to be a waste of time. Please show up. Please take me out of the way. None of my opinions, only your word. May but deliver with power. Just remove me out of the way, Lord. Please, Lord, please, Lord. Be glorified today. You be the teacher. May your Holy Spirit speak. Give people to hear what you want them to hear. Because if I get up here without him, it's going to be a disaster. Amen? If we try to serve the Lord whatever gift we've been given without him, let him do so with joy. Let those who serve you serve you with joy. Let me finish up here. So God has called those who rule to, to be an encouragement, be an encouragement to them. The average pastor in America, I read this, leaves his church because of seven people. Seven people complaining and murmuring. Um, God gave me a, a gift. Here it is. You ready? You can't offend me. <laughs> I get stuff on the time. Pastors are leaving church. I'm not. Why not? Can't offend me. You just can't offend me. Well, you know, I, I told you guys, this guy put this online the other day, and I thought, this is so beautiful. He said, a pastor needs to have a heart of a the, uh, the mind of a theologian, the heart of a child, and the skin of a rhinoceros. I'm like, amen to that. <laughs> but pastors who are easily offended won't last. If it's about you, you'll get offended. It's not about me, it's about him. So it's okay, amen? Cross of Christ is a stone of offense, amen? Verse 18 and 19 says, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorably, but I especially urge you to do this that I may be restored to you sooner. The only thing we see the author ask for in this entire book, here it is, pray for us. Pray for us. He didn't say, can, I, can you help me out with the loan? Hey, can you, can you show up and do this for me? He said, can you pray for us as we're serving the Lord? Paul's been, in, I believe this is Paul, been in prison, been in shipwrecks, he's a mighty man of God being used mightily by God, and he could ask for anything. Could you pray for us? Can I encourage you to do the same for the pastors here? Could you pray for us? Can I ask you to do the same thing for the people you're sitting next to right now? Could you pray for us? Let's pray for one another, amen? And you know what? Be transparent enough to ask for prayer. The Greek word there in prayer means to keep praying. We're confident that we have a good conscience. We've been honoring the Lord, but we still need prayer. Finally, as he finishes up, he says, Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Boy, I love that. So we're going to talk about him. So let me just talk about God. Uh, he's the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I've written to you in a few words. He says this is a few words. Thirteen chapters. <laughs> few words. 
He says, take heart this exhortation I've given you. It's just a few words to exhort you and receive what I have shared with you, that Jesus is better. You don't need to go back to the temple. He's better than the high priest. He's better. Don't turn back. Don't lose sight. Receive those words of exhortation, these few words of exhortation. He's made you complete. It's through his blood alone. Again, he is the Lord Jesus. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free. Here's some good news. Timothy was in prison. This is another reason why I think it's Paul. With whom I shall see you if he comes, up, comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those in Italy, from Italy, greet you. Where, what kind of prison? Where was Paul in prison? Rome. Okay, and that's in Italy. Grace be with you all. Amen. He said, the God of peace. The world needs peace right now. Peace is not the freedom of war. It's the right standing with the Prince of Peace. You can stand in the midst of a battlefield, and if you have the Lord, you can have peace. And you can be out on a desert island by yourself in a hammock, you know, drinking a lemonade and have no peace if you don't know the Prince of Peace. Amen. It's not the absence of war. He redeemed us. He's watching over us. He did away with the temporary old covenant. He made us complete. Guys, through Jesus Christ, not the Levitical law, not through the sacrifices. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And again, few words, one of the longest letters in the New Testament. And again, his whole focus was Jesus is better. Guys, he's better than the Old Testament prophets. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. He's better than the priesthood. He's better, he's better, he's better. You can't have it any better than you have it in him. Where else would you go? Who else would you turn to? Who else has the words of eternal life? Nobody. No matter what hardship we may face or trials or temptations, there's no better place to be than where we are so incredibly privileged to be in the arms of our loving Savior. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We thank you for your word. Oh, we thank you for leaving heaven and coming to earth and suffering and dying that we might have eternal life. Lord, we cannot thank you enough. We cannot praise you enough. We can't write enough books to cover the greatness of who you are. You are an almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God, and we are so blessed that you've adopted us into your family. I pray for everyone's here today, whatever they may be going through, Lord, that they would know the Prince of Peace and the peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray, Lord, as we have an election in two days, as we have people whose jobs are on the line, we have people who are making big decisions right now, I pray we would just walk with you and trust that no matter what the outcomes are, you're still in control, you're still God, and you're still faithful. And we can still trust you. And we will praise you in the storm. And we will not just praise you in times of blessing, but we will praise you in times of adversity. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We can't wait to see you face to face. But until you do come back, we will praise you at the top of our lungs. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, 